What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first official episode of the Mac vs. Zach podcast. And Mark Anthony, what a perfect way to begin the show as we have an actual matchup between Mac Jones, the number 15th pick in this previous draft, going up against Zach Wilson in New Jersey, the number two pick, Jets home opener. And the Jets fell flat at home. Mac Jones taking down Zach Wilson. New England Patriots taking down New York Jets 25-2-6. And before we really get in, into this, Mark Anthony, I just want to get your initial feelings as you do leave this game probably feeling pretty happy with your squad and finally getting a win on the board. Yeah, it feels good. You know, no team ever wants to go 0-2. And it's good to be on the winning column. As overall Donald's performance, and I was proud of what my team has done today in MetLife. As you should. I mean, we had a few friends over there uh, attending the home opener. And from what I saw from their social media posts, from Jets Twitter in general, they it seemed electric, to say the least. It seemed people were excited. You could get that same sense of change, that same feeling that you could tell fans had going into the season in general that this is a new year and sadly it's I understand we're two weeks into it but as a Jet fan it it does not feel like a new season it, it feels like we got a lot of new faces we got a new coach at the helm a new quarterback at the helm but when it's all said and done this is the same New York Jets and that was my biggest takeaway overall from this game um, as the loser of this game this feeling is Nothing new to me, sadly. I mean, you're 15, I'm 22. I had a bit more experience with my team than you had with yours, but my experience isn't full with the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady or multiple Super Bowl wins. My experience as a Jet fan, for those who don't know, actually started after we had success, after the Mark Sanchez days, after the back-to-back AFC Championship games. Um, I started becoming a diehard fan, really, when we had... Ryan Fitzpatrick, believe it or not, Fitzmagic, and Brandon Marshall, and the Eric Decker, which the player I'm wearing right now, I'm repping Eric Decker, Color Rush, kind of want to bring those jerseys back, maybe get those good juju going with those jerseys, but I I digress. I'm a diehard Jets fan, in case it wasn't noticeable already, and this just feels like the same old Jets. I mean, you've watched us struggle, you've watched me struggle, You've heard me talk your ear up multiple times before. I mean, can you agree with that? Yeah, I could agree. You know, I, I'm your brother. I always root for the Jets to win, um, but not against the Patriots. But I feel like, you know, this is a year, change, you know, change, culture change. You bring in solid, you bring in a quarterback. I felt, you know, I would feel like it's a new year. But judging from today, it feels like you're just picking up from what happened last year. And as any sport fan does, was that any sport, baseball, football, basketball, it is very easy to let the emotions get the best of you right away. I mean, right now it's it's 6 o'clock, about an hour and a half after the game's finale, and I just can't shake this feeling. I mean, I've witnessed several losses. Uh, we, get, we had two wins for crying out loud last year. I know losing right now. I know how it feels. I'm an expert at it when it comes to the New York Jets. But this one just feels different, and it's very reminiscent of the last time um, one of my favorite quarterbacks played the New England Patriots, back when I I was in Sam Darnold's corner, and he threw four interceptions against the New England Patriots, the infamous seeing ghost games. And Zach Wilson was seeing ghosts, it looks like. I mean, I can't defend him right now. He went 19-33, 210 yards, four interceptions, and it's it's inexcusable. It's it's two weeks into the season. I get it. I get it. He's a rookie, growing pains. But in my opinion, and this could be my motion speaking, you're pick number two overall. You have a job to do. You are drafted onto a poor team because the team that year before did not do well. You know what you're entering. No one's expecting you to turn the franchise you're getting drafted to around in the very first year. But with that being said, this is New York. You're, you're not getting drafted to a small market. You're getting drafted to one of, if not the biggest markets in New York. And Zach Wilson, I mean, I don't know if you could, if you heard it through the uh, TV cameras, but I've seen it all over social media. Zach Wilson was facing that New York crowd in the booze. What do you think about that and how New York is going to react to Zach Wilson's performance today? 
Um, you know, I was laughing when I saw that tweet that they're booing both Wilson and Salah. I would boo too. You know, it's a home opener. You haven't had fans back to stadium for like what two years now. You know, they're expecting a good game, and then to come out and play like you did with the four picks and zero touchdowns, I would be pissed off and frustrated because you know, New Year Wilson number two overall pick. You expect him to do good, but it's like he played like a giant Menzel, like he played like you know someone really bad. And the New York people, they don't like that. They want to win, and they they want the quarterback. But right now, Zach Wilson is not looking that well but only week two you know things could change but that's my that's my take on Wilson without a doubt things could change like you said but short term as a fan at least as as a diehard fan it's very hard to think bigger picture right now and in the in the short term future and I'm talking about tomorrow morning I already know waking up you're gonna hear the New York media whether it's on the radio whether it's on TV they're going to eat this kid alive. And, and and the difficult part is the guy he's replacing is not doing too bad this year. And it's Sam Darnold, I mean, bringing his Carolina Panthers to 2-0, and, and that's a gut punch. Prior to us drafting Zach Wilson, excuse me, I was in the boat of I want Trevor Lawrence or I want to trade down. I thought that Zach Wilson... I don't know if it was the BYU stigma. I don't know if it was the rumors you heard of him coming out of the draft that he wasn't a quote-unquote leader. But Zach Wilson, to me at least, never really resonated. Uh, He never got me excited to draft him, even though it was almost inevitable, especially after he made the throw throw hurt around the world at his pro day. And I honestly kind of wanted Justin Fields if, if we had to go quarterback, but... I was all in favor of keeping Sam Darnold. I thought Sam Darnold was a product of a failed organization. And I don't think many things have changed since the days of Sam Darnold. I mean, listen, we got rid of Gase, and that was priority number one. But as of the culture, it's it's going to be hard to change that culture right now. And that's mostly because we are only two weeks into the season. I mean, it, when you think of the New England Patriots... What culture do you think of? What, How do you feel the Patriots are ran? And then when you reflect on how the Jets are ran, let me know from the eyes of a Patriot fan your thoughts on that. Well, it's two opposite sides, you know. Well, of course, there's one side where winning organization, you know, the locker room is happy for whether it's Mac Jones, whether it's like, you know, for the whole team. It goes down to team captains like Matthew Slater. He's been, he's like the longest Patriot that's still on the team. He always brings the energy to the locker room. And like, he's he's a role model, you know. He, all these leaders help the young players, and that's one big factor for the culture. And you know, our fans, and just like our whole environment is a big help. And I think Mac Jones is fitting well with it. And I just feel like our culture is, <laughs> is perfect. And when you look at the Jets, it's like, oh, it's like, it's a pile of poop. <laughs> that's one way to put it. But you know, early. I hope. I hope. I believe when Salah says there's gonna be a culture change, I believe in Joe Douglas and them. They just gotta prove it and show it. Joe, it's funny you mention that because I was, and I want to tread very lightly here. I was very much in the camp of Joe Douglas. I believed in Joe Douglas. I, for the most part, enjoyed what he did. But the more I think about it, is he as good as we both think? Because we are easily tricked, I feel, as we see the Jets social media team. They make their documentary series, One Jet Drive, and, and they really get us thinking that Joe Douglas is pretty soon going to have his way into Canton, but I just don't know right now. I mean, sitting here week two, it's almost as if I'm reflecting on everything, but his draft class as of last year is just not doing it for me. I mean... Can you name his best draft pick right now? Uh, what is it, Mackay Becton? Do you really think so? I mean, let's be honest. Do, evaluate Mackay Becton as a Patriot fan. From last year, you know, this big dude, he he did well. You know, the game against the Rams when they many people were pissed about the win, but he went up against arguably, you know, the best defensive player in NFL, which is Aaron Donald, and he played well against him. 
you know, that whole year, I feel like he's one of the best young le- left tackles in the league, and eventually he'll be one of the best ones. But then week one comes, and then he played like garbage. You know, he got injured. I hope he comes back better, but it felt like he, he like, regressed, and he did not play well at all that game. That's what I wanted to touch on. The common phrase goes, and I'm sure you heard this, and this is applied to any sport. The best ability is ultimately availability, and I'm reading. I'm gonna read off a tweet right now that Connor Hughes, uh, one of the Jets beat reporters on Twitter, put out today, and I thought it was very interesting. Joe Douglas, 2020 NFL Draft class. You ready? This is their status today. Mackay Becton, who was picked in the first round, injured reserve. Second round pick Denzel Mims, inactive. Third round pick Ashton Davis, injured reserve. Jabari Zuniga, practice squad. LaMichael P. Ryan, inactive. <laughs> this is the mind-blowing one. Fourth-round pick, James Morgan, the Panthers' practice squad. Fourth-round pick, Cameron Clark, injured reserve. Fifth-round pick, Bryce Hall, the starting cornerback, which I think is a beast. I love that pick. And the sixth-round pick, Braden Mann, injured reserve. Those are his first six picks, excuse me, first six rounds of the 2020 NFL Draft, and it's, it's not great. And teams... For a guy who's big on draft capital, collecting draft capital, teams are built in the draft, it begs the question of how is he as a a drafter? Because that draft class all had their flashes. I mean, I I totally agree with what you said on regarding Mekhi Becton and and his potential, but as a Jet fan, I am extremely tired of hearing that word potential. Potential. Next year is our year. Rebuild. These are all terms that I think all of us say when it comes to New York Jets. And we just let it fly. Like, oh yeah, we I agree. It is a rebuilding year. But enough is enough. Nowadays, with the talent of the players available and, and the money that gets spent in, in every sport, whether it's football or baseball, anything, any sport, the rebuilding process for a team, excuse me, is no longer a five-year rebuild. The teams could go from last, from worst to first very easily nowadays. And as you look back and reflect on that tweet from Connor Hughes and, and you look at Joe Douglas's first six rounds of the 2020 NFL draft. It's kind of like we're not off to a great start. I mean, this year it looks like we're, we draft a lot of guys that we plug and play on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. And we'll get into that in a little bit, how some of those rookies did stand out today. But it just begs the question if, you know, Joe Douglas is the answer. But, like I said, this is two weeks into, the, you know, this season and and I definitely could be reaching here and overreacting because that's just me as a diehard Jet fan but it is definitely alarming I mean how do you guys feel that New England has done them to drafting well with last year's draft you know the one with you know the one that just happened I I was hesitant on the Mac Jones pick because Donis his thought like you know his throw day when like when everyone came to watch him he missed you know, like a wide open, wide open pass, like he overthrew the guy, and I was like, uh, he's just gonna be like an inaccurate quarterback. But then when I see him playing the preseason, granted it's only preseason, he did well. He you know did the job. He had some touchdowns here and there. Right. And then week one, you know we we lost, but he he didn't have a turnover. He played well. You know it was just a fumble that cost us. And you know throughout with our drafting, you know like the year prior to that, two years ago, when we took Damian Harris, he got he didn't play a lot of his rookie year, he got injured. He came alive last year, his second year. You know, the right. final six games of the season where he like a hundred rushing yards, like on like three of the games and then this year he had a hundred yards against Dolphins and then he played well against the Jets with that amazing one he had in the third quarter that broke like three tackles. So our drafting, you know, Bill Belichick, you know, I'm, I'm impressed with him. And and he's going to keep making those picks and nothing to, to complain about. So are we still in the camp of thinking that Kill Harry's going to make the Hall of Fame? <laughs> no, well, definitely not because he's injured right now. He hasn't even played at all this season yet. Right, but and you touched on this when you are talking about Mac Jones, which I also did question that pick. However, it just kind of seemed like a, a storybook ending where Mac Jones falls to New England without them even having to trade up for him. Kind of felt like the writing was on the wall at that point. But when it comes to Mac Jones' performance in preseason, you came away as a fan confident in your quarterback. And I, 
I would be lying if I said I didn't feel the same way when it came to Zach Wilson. I mean, I think I speak for every Jet fan, and even for the first time in a long time, NFL reporters around the league, they all kind of were awe of, of Zach Wilson and how he was handling himself in the preseason. And, I mean, I like you said, it is preseason. The odds of you getting all your reps against starters are, are very rare. But for the most part, I thought Zach Wilson did what he had to do. And that goes from Zach Wilson's performance, and that goes from our new offensive coordinator's performance, Mike LaFleur, and, and his play calling. I thought he called plays in a way that helped out Zach Wilson and kind of got him comfortable. And then the regular season starts, and it's almost like we go from that, from from calling comfortable plays and getting your your quarterback short gimme routes to get him confident to almost wanting a home run every single throw and that is very concerning and that is my main takeaway from both of these games Zach Wilson it seems like every play call that gets called for him I mean in the first half of Carolina at least was for the home run ball it's very hard to get into a rhythm at any stage of a quarterback if your first few throws are incompletions if you can't hit your receivers and it seemed like in that game, every other pass was for the home run ball. Get the check down. Get what's given to you. And, and that's what stuck out to me today about Mac Jones's performance. He didn't have a touchdown, but he did what he had to do. He took care of the ball. He let the, his, his team around him do the rest. And he managed the game. He was a game manager. Very Alex Smith-esque performance, if I, <laughs> to be honest. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. He was 22 of 30, 186 yards. Like I said, zero touchdowns. But the more important part is what you said, zero turnovers, and that goes from interceptions to fumbles. And that's what I want more out of Zach Wilson and Mike LaFleur. I want us to just manage the game. And I think Robert Sala really hit it on the head, hit the nail on the head, excuse me, when he said, and this is a quote from Rich Samini from the press conference, that it's okay to be boring. Uh, Sala did say that Zach Wilson has electric talent but must learn to take the boring throws instead of the risky ones, and I agree. Anytime you're on a, a losing team, and, and let's be honest, a bad team, and you're the leader of that team, I mean, the kid was voted captain of the team amongst his, his peers. Anytime you're in that situation, you want to play hero ball. You want to get the ball in the end zone. You you feel like you got to go into the phone booth and as Clark Kent and come out Superman, but you, you don't. And I think this was a game, and I think you would agree as a Pager fan, that if we just took care of the ball... I'm not saying we win, but but we're in this game and playing meaningful football with in the fourth quarter, and that's something we really weren't doing. I mean, yes, it, we could have came back, but you, I personally never once felt like we, we were after halftime, to be honest. But if you cut down those turnovers, even in half, let's say it's two interceptions instead of four, you still have a, a competent game and a competitive one. And I, that's my biggest takeaway from this game is, and I think it's everyone's takeaway from this game. The turnovers are scary. You know, it's 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 very reminiscent of Sam Darnold when he was with us. And, and the difference is we don't have Adam Gase to blame right now. I mean, is Mike Floyd the next Adam Gase? <laughs> is that a new hot take you're going to start hearing? I definitely do not think so. But this game is just hard. It's, it's very alarming. I mean, like we discussed earlier, it's... You feel great. I feel very, 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 very poorly right now. And I, I don't know where the Jets go from here. I mean, what are your thoughts at watching it from the opposing view? Where, where did the Jets go from now? Well, I thought, uh, you know, a good takeaway take from the game. You guys established the one game. You ran the ball really well, you know. Give credit to Michael Carter, Ty Johnson, even Tevin Coleman. You guys ran the ball, you know. Four yards there, four yards, six yards. You know that one twenty-one, that one twenty-yard one by Tevin Coleman. You know if you guys just like stick to that and like what you said, at least have two interceptions instead of four, it would have been a you know complete different game. But you know it's I don't know what Zach Wilson was doing um, today. His worst pick was probably when he was trying like get Elijah Moore a big right. game and he threw to like triple coverage and the ball wasn't even near Elijah Moore at all. And that but I'm sorry I cut you off. That was my main issue with with his performance I get it you're gonna turn over the ball you're a rookie growing pains etc etc but 
even when the ball wasn't landing in the hands of a Patriot defender, his almost all his throws just seemed overthrown or too high. And you know what? Believe it or not, he had protection. He had time to step into her throws. He had time to go to to go through his looks, his progressions. He do, he didn't have to lock his eyes on Corey Davis. We heard it from so many people, whether it was teams that have already played played him this year in Miami or any team in the past who has played New England. Bill Belichick will take away your number one weapon, and he did that with Corey Davis. And it seems like that automatically threw us out of a rhythm to begin with. And Zach said it himself in his press conference after today. Excuse me, that after those first two interceptions, it was difficult for him to get into a rhythm. And, and I, no duh, you know, it's I, it was going viral. You have Instagram, you saw it. It was, oh, Zach Wilson, 0 for 2, two interceptions, number 2 pick, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. That's That's noise. I mean, we live in New York. It's probably that noise is, is going to be very loud. And rightfully so. I mean, for crying out loud, MetLife was booing him, and it's only the first game back with fans. Um, but I just saw a lot of a lot of things. You just look back, and you just you. I'm just confused. I'm I'm at a loss of words, and it's hard to admit it. But I just come away from this game feeling very defeated, if that makes sense. I mean. You guys, you're one and one. After seeing today in Mac Jones' performance, the offense performance, defensive performance, special teams, where do you think you guys can go from here, and how can you build off this this win? And it was a good win. I'll give you credit. Um, you know, we just need to carry this momentum to next week against the Saints because that would be like you know the big game for us. You know, Alan Kamara. You know, the defense with Cameron Jordan. We just have to, like, make Jameis feel uncomfortable, which I think we could, and just hold Alvin Kamara to, you know, like, nothing. But, you know, we we did well today, you know. Mac Jones, if he could do this every game, like, manage the clock, you know, manage the game, not force a turnover, like, check downs here and there, five yards, ten yards, I think we'll, we'll win, like, you know, every game. I think we could. And our defense, if they could play like this, which is, you know, really hard to do, to pick up, pick off the quarterback four times, um, then, you know, we have a good chance of making playoffs and, you know, at least competing with the Bills. Cause that's, that's what um, I, you know, ever since the offseason last year, what I wanted the Patriots to do, the Patriots to do was, you know, keep competition with Buffalo Bills, with Josh Allen, and, like, try fighting for this division. Even the Dolphins, you saw what the Dolphins did. They almost made playoffs too. Right. Well, now, in, yeah, exactly. And I look at this division, and I'll be honest, I'm we're down for the count. I don't see us making any moves of winning this division. But I look at this division, and I only see you guys, you guys as in the New England Patriots, and the Buffalo Bills as real competitors for this division. I mean. Tua's health moving forward is going to be played into question. Uh, there's been several murmurs and rumors that the Dolphins mm-hmm. are interested in Deshaun Watson, but I don't think Deshaun Watson is even going to be able to play single down of football, even if he's traded to Miami. Uh, we saw Tua get carted off, so that, I hate to say because it's due to an injury, that kind of takes away a, a comp- competitor uh, and, a, and a, an obstacle if you want to call it that from winning the division again uh but you still have the buffalo bills who look explosive as ever i mean they come back and they win in dominant fashion this week and you have the saints next week and that's not going to be easy uh you guys are home from for that which does help and you guys are home against the bucks but at some point this game manager style of quarterback play is not going to do it. And Mac Jones is going to have to be the Mac Jones that New England saw play in Alabama and the type of quarterback that made them want to actually spend the first-round pick on the quarterback. And I think that game is going to come prime time, Sunday night, October 3rd. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, your GOAT, the GOAT, Tom Brady heads back to New England, take on the New England Patriots. I mean, I know we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but... 
do you guys think you have a legitimate chance of taking down the former Super Bowl champions? Um, well, you know, I can't say we... I think we have a chance, but it's going to be really hard to, you know, to beat the GOAT. He always finds ways to, you know, beat a team. You know, I'm hoping we could beat him, but but that's going to be one of the one of the tougher games of our schedule. Well, it's definitely going to be the most watched game, and... It's Mac Jones is is no stranger to primetime games. Uh, You look at his college career and what he did and and his involvement with the national championship game. I mean, the the famous picture of him shirtless in his what seems to be a non-athletic body smoking a cigar. Um, But the kid's a winner. He beat beat our butts today, that's for sure. And I I think you'll... I don't know if you'll beat the Bucks. I'm not even sure if you'll beat the Saints, to be honest. But... You know, I think you guys got got your quarterback, and I think what people seem to ignore for the most part is just how much of a difference where you're drafted makes. Um, I mean, I hate to admit it, but Sam Darnold, I mean, look at him right now. He's flourishing. Look, uh, You could call it the Gase effect. I mean, Tannehill um, played last year at least to the level where you kind of bring up his name a little bit when it comes to the MVP conversation but if you get drafted to a poorly ran organization which is exactly what the New York Jets are it's very hard to find success I mean do you personally think that makes a major difference you know I think it does well you have to look at Rasta you know both first round you know but both Mac Jones and Zach are both rookies but Mac has it easy, you know. He has arguably the greatest coach, one of the greatest coaches of all right. time. He has the one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, and you know he has a he has a good defense, and you know he has Josh McDaniels. He has you know Matt Patricia, a really good defensive coordinator. He has people around him to help him win. Unlike Zach Wilson, you know, um, even with Corey Davis and uh, Elijah Moore, which he had a he had a good game unlike Week One. He really doesn't have anything else. His offensive line is shaky. You know, his his defense isn't really the best, even though they they shine this game. That that's what kept them in this game. And you know, the coaches, they're all new. So like it's a whole new experience for everyone. Yeah, I mean it's it's you know, people call, call them a rebuilding franchise for a reason, but uh, it, you know, even if they're in a rebuilding, you could definitely look at this team on both sides of the ball, whether it's the offense, defense, even special teams, you could look at this and, and you could pick out things you as a fan. I mean, is it, listen, I want to preface this by saying there is a reason we are sitting here talking about the Jets and are not coaching the Jets. And, and age is, is not the deciding factor of that. It is because all coaches of the NFL, from the best of the best to the worst of the worst, for the more, most part, they know what they're doing and, and they know... Um, you know how to lead a team so it's not to say oh I would I would do this and I would be better I mean I'll stick to playing Madden and I'll let Robert Sala coach the Jets but what I'm seeing and it's only two games into the season is that our offense seems very predictable if that makes sense I mean I've seen on several instances first down you run the ball up the middle um, second down, we were going to play action, which is better than running the ball every second down, which seemed to be the case last week against Carolina. But uh, Zach Wilson, it's the run on first down, play action, second down, and and we'll and then I'll stare at Corey Davis. And you saw that in the first episode. I'm um, excuse me, first episode, first interception. That this seems like a, an episode in a, in a series that I already want to stop binging. Uh, but you saw it on the first interception. Zach Wilson on second down, second and two, second and two. The yardage is two yards. I can't emphasize that enough. Seven minutes and 47 seconds into the game, Zach Wilson has his eyes locked, dead locked, and he's he's thrown from a protected pocket for the most part to Corey Davis. Ball gets tipped in the air. Devin McCourty swats it down, and it's the first of what was four interceptions. I mean, what was your emotions after that first turnover? Score was 0-0 at that point, obviously, but you kind of feel like momentum swing happened in that exact moment? I want to say like a full momentum swing because, you know, you expect that from him. Like, oh, you know, he's a rookie. One pick, you know, Corey Davis. It was a tip drill. You know, it happens. But then, you know, like when you're progressing through the game, you see, 
um, the three other picks, those were on Zach. And that's, I'll, I'll probably say the third pick was like when Mo minded, like, yeah, Pagers are, you know, securing the, the win here. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, you guys, after that first pick, you guys settled for a 46 yard field goal from our former kicker, Nick Falk. And it's a 3 nothing game, and I. I'm not I'm not rattled. I mean, I'm not the one playing the game, but I'm not scared. I mean, Michael Carter follows up that field goal. We get the ball back. He has a nice run on first and 10 to the left. And before I continue, I mean, our blocking today was, I for the most part, I thought was excellent. Whether it was pass block, run block, I thought we did a great, great job. And then following that run a couple plays later, I mean, Zach Wilson, again, like I mentioned before, he goes through the play action rolls out and who's he looking for it's it's Corey Davis and the ball just sails over Davis's hands right into the defender and it's another interception and at that at that interception you're kind of like mm. all right interception number two we'll move on this stinks but for me as a fan and I'm sure you felt the opposite since you're rooting for the Patriots it it stung because we were moving the ball and these Jet players are hungry. I mean, Marcus May, who is the longest tenured Jet at the moment, five years on the organization, he wants to win. These guys want to win. They're professionals at the end of the day. They have the same social media platforms we have. They hear the same thing that we hear on the radio. They see the same things we see on, on television. They want to win, and we're driving down the field. Your number two overall rookie is is doing a good job getting you down the field not really him, our running backs, I mean, let's be honest, and you you capped that drive off with the interception. I mean, how are, you, how are you personally feeling being a fan of the defense of the New England Patriots? How do you think overall your defense did, and, and what were your feelings after that second interception? You know, I thought defense played, you know, lights out with all the picks, our pressures, our sacks, um, you know, nothing to complain about, but... Um, you know, it's like someone's like, you know, we, we could have stopped Michael Carter a little bit better, not letting like one free, well, I wouldn't say freely, but like, you know, one get like, like him getting the yards he got, we could have like, you know, holding up like two yards of carry stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, Michael, Michael you, Carter you, was 11 carries, 59 yards, 5.4 yards per carry. Um, he, not to cut you off fully, but he, he did awesome. And, and we'll talk more about the rookies in a, in a little bit, but I think that was something you got to walk away as a Patriot fan, kind of nervous, not nervous, but as an area that you could definitely see and desire improvement in. I mean, you, we had two running backs run over 50 yards against you, Tevin Coleman, 24 yards, Zach Wilson, 19 yards. I mean, that part is whatever. It's a quarterback scrambling, but the run defense in general, when expecting a run, you guys let up, you know, over 100 yards combined amongst the three. Yeah, um, you know, well, it's, it's, you said this earlier, you know, it's the Jets, you know, every matchup, we all know the Patriots will win every matchup, but no, this game felt different, you guys are actually driving downfield, you guys are in the red zone, like, three times, you know, granted, without the picks, you're looking at, you know, a tie game going to the fourth quarter, you know, it's not, it's the same Jets, but not the same Jets, you guys could drive down, you know, the you could drive down the field and you could get points and we just we can't take teams like we we have to stop the one that's our main priority if we want to beat any other team like the saints we need to hold hold you know hold the one because towards the end of the game you know the jets even even they were even though they're out of the game they kept um tackling damien harris like two yards J, um james white like negative one yard just like little stuff like that we need to clean up Right, and, and you said it yourself. I mean, the Jets' defense, they played outstanding for the most part. I thought one play in particular that stuck out to me that I was kind of on the edge of my seat for was when it was a quick pitch to James White. James White flicks it back to Mac Jones, and I'm like, uh-oh, because Mac Jones releases relatively uh, quickly. And I'm like, oh, boy, it's going to be some deep strike. And he hits Johnny Smith for a gain of about, I want to say, 19. And at that point, I'm like, wow, the Jets did not bite on a, on a play that we, I mean, I don't know if you really remember that much because you started getting into the Patriots a little bit later than this, but um, we've seen uh, D Danny Woodhead run that play. We've seen uh, Danny Amendola run an iteration of that little trickery. And, and 
for you in particular, you've seen Julian Edelman. How many times have you seen Julian Edelman get that play called to him where he's the one throwing the hmm. ball and, and he hits some guy off of a blown coverage? I mean, you've seen it happen times and times again. a lot of times. Yeah, and, we, and to see us able to guard that, it kind of made me happy, as silly as that sounds. But James White, being James White, catching the ball in the backfield, running the ball up the middle, which I thought would be a perfect spot for Damian Harris, which maybe is why the defense, the Jets' defense, was caught off guards. At this moment, James White runs the ball in, and now it's a 9-0 game because Nick Falk does miss that extra point. Um, excuse me, 10-0. That the extra, missed extra point came a little later in the game. But even even after that, I still think we're in the game because, if I remember correctly, Braxton Berrios pulled off a relatively good kickoff return, and we had good field position. And that's something I'm not used to at the Jeff fan. Usually it's boneheaded penalties or bad uh, kick return from our returners slash blockers. And right after that, we see Elijah Moore, the rookie that me and you have been very excited to see. Zach Wilson hits him off of a beautiful strike. And I'm like, okay, we could turn it around. And, I mean, at that point, what were your thoughts watching Elijah Moore? We both, I mean, you're a great brother pretending to be a Jet fan for me. Um, We've watched several little hype videos um, documentaries, if you will, against I mean about the New York Jets and the one player that we see highlighted in those videos, the one player we see highlight highlighted in tweets and reports about training camp was Elijah Moore. I mean, what did you think about his performance? I thought it was a lot better than you know against Carolina. They involved him more. You know that that throws act to Elijah down the sideline for like about twenty yards. You know he impressed me today. Five catches, a lot of catches. Uh, he helped the offense move down the field a little bit. You know, him and, surprisingly, Braxton Berrios. <laughs> yeah, Braxton Berrios. In a day that was kind of had overcast, um, not uh, literally, but figuratively as a, as a Jet fan, a, a day that was very clouded for me and, and very upsetting, Braxton Berrios came away with seven catches for 73 yards. I mean... I don't know if it's him starting to date a supermodel now or what he's been drinking in his coffee, but he is off to a relatively good start, and he's involved in this offense. I mean, we'll see if that changes with the return of Jameson Crowder next week, or at least we hope the return of Jameson Crowder. But I agree with you. I thought Elijah Moore did what he had to do. I mean, four catches, 47 yards. He started to look comfortable, and, and Zach looked comfortable hitting him. But this isn't training camp. This isn't... You know, in training camp, you go up against your defense, which is the Jets' defense, and the Jets are owned two for a reason. I mean, the Jets' defense has been okay this year. You know, they've been better than expected. But at the end of the day, they, they are the Jets' defense. That's why you see when they have those joint practices with the Packers or even the Eagles, they were struggling to move the ball in, in, in seven-on-sevens and, and red zone practices, excuse me. But it's... Elijah Moore looked good, and I think a lot of our rookies looked uh, looked very good. Michael Carter surprised me. 11 carries was 59 yards. Uh, that's one carry short of Ty Johnson, who did have 12. And I think we're going to go very similar to how San Francisco was last year. Obviously, Michael Thorpe coming from San Francisco. I think we're going to run in it with a committee, and I think we're going to start going with the hot hand. And I think right now, hot the hot hand is Michael Carter. He did well... Um, running the ball he did catch the ball twice for 29 yards he just looked like he was coming to form and and becoming the running back that they saw coming out of unc and and the running back they really were very excited to draft as we saw on one jet drive and i think he's gonna be a, a he's a he's a good ball player when we signed Le, Le'Veon bell to that crazy contract i instantly was like uh-oh I don't like this. I don't like this move because it is very similar to what we're seeing going on on New York's counterpart, the New York Giants. You spend a high pick. When you spend a high pick or spend high money on that position, a position which is ultimately expendable, nothing good really comes out of it. You look at the previous Super Bowl champions, none of them really had a stud running back, which is why I think what the Jets are doing is correct, and that's running by committee. And I think it's something you're going to start seeing happen more in the NFL. The days of this single running back are are going to disappear. I mean, how many teams really only run with run running back? And 
if you think about it, it's probably the, the top five picks in fantasy. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's a one-headed uh, backfield. Uh, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry. Alvin Kamara. Um, outside of uh, Alvin Kamara. I mean, even when he... I mean, but they had Latavius Murray a couple, uh, last year, and even with that, it's like you're starting to see these other NFL teams copy the blueprint of what I think New England has been doing for a while, and that's running by committee. I mean, what do you think about your committee entering this season and, and moving forward? I think Damon Harris is really stepping up, James White, and, and you guys have J.J. Taylor, and, and what's the name of the rookie you guys drafted again? Uh, don't quote me. Yeah, don't quote me on this one, but Steven, Steven Richardson, yeah. You know, what he showed a lot of flashes during um, preseason, especially week, um, our first preseason game against the football team when he had a 99-yard touchdown. You know, we don't, yeah, we don't have a, a stud, stud number one running back. We don't have, like, a McCaffrey. But when we have, like, you know, one of the best, you know, receiving running backs in the league, James White, and you have Damian Harris and, you know, J.J. Taylor, even Brandon Bolden, they all have their part. And, you know, they're all... They all work well with each other. They all they all do well in the field too. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to this game in particular, I thought we utilized all these backs um, appropriately, and I think the box score reflects that. But this play, this play killed me. It was third and goal. I get it. We we were running the ball successfully. At this point, it's about eleven minutes left in the first half, ten thirty eight in the second quarter to be exact. And you guys are up 10 nothing at this point, and it's a simple run up the middle. I mean, how many times have we seen this during this game in Carolina? And we bring out the field goal unit, and I get it. You want to play for the points because you just had a good drive. You turned the ball over two times uh, prior to that, but it's not. I'm not questioning the, the decision to kick the field goal, but to run the ball do you, in that situation, third and goal, do you think that was – do you think that was a result of the play they actually wanted to call, or do you think they called that play due to not having as much confidence in Zach Wilson at that? Point? I think it was the you know the confidence part, but even with that, I would have passed that ball because you ran the ball like two or three straight times already. What's gonna what's gonna change? You know they, they they're gonna adjust to you know the simple one up the middle. You know it's predictable. You, you know even if you don't get the pass, just do something creative instead of just you know giving the ball to your running back and hoping they break tackles and score a touchdown. Yeah, I exactly. And and even after that, I mean I'm I'm reflecting back on that on the highlights of of this game and, and just thinking about this game overall. And even after that, that next possession for you guys, it's two consecutive sacks and, and on third and nineteen we sack you and, and out comes the punting unit and we we are in this game I, I can't express it enough a nice run up the middle from Tevin Coleman it's we had our chances and I hate to say it and I get it he's young and whatever we'll hear every excuse in the book Zach Wilson's lost us this game I mean this is a team sport you know it's 11 guys on offense 11 guys on defense you can't fully blame your whole uh, one player. It is a 53-man roster at the end of the day. But we had that nice run by Tevin Coleman, and then the third interception, and, and in my opinion, this is the most head-scratching one, the third interception, he just lollipops it, and it's intercepted by who? Yeah. J.C. Jackson, correct? And that's Jackson's second interception. He was looking at more. At least he wasn't staring down Corey Davis like we gotten used to by that point. But it's. I don't know if it, if Zach Wilson is just his skill, not necessarily skill, but if, if his decision-making hasn't translated from BYU to the NFL yet because college to NFL is definitely an adjustment, which is why you see many quarterbacks kind of dominate college and, and not do so well in the NFL, and they have short-lived careers. But you're drafted number two overall, and it's just a weird decision. I mean, you're driving, you're driving. Your coach is giving you confidence, obviously, by calling plays that give you time and, and give you opportunities to throw shots down the field. But you're not doing yourself any justice or your team any justice when when you throw that type of interception. And even though there is a lot of time left in the game and it is 10-3, to 3, after the third interception, I, I could definitely sense being next to you while you're watching the game 
especially after that Jacoby Myers catch along the sideline, that you're really thinking that you guys are going to start taking control of Definitely. this game, correct? You know, well, um, I'll just say one thing. Um, you know, about, like, you know, the play calling. If, you know, you've seen against Carolina when Wilson, you know, even if it's just a two-point conversion, you know, he it was a read option, Wilson used his wheels. I feel like, you know, Jets should expand more on him, you know, running the ball with his feet. Because you see when he break tackles from us and from the Panthers, you know, you always want your quarterback to throw it away, but he, you know, he escapes, he runs around, like, you know, away from the pocket. He creates those, and, like, he's he has, he could scramble. He's a mobile quarterback, which he, he yeah. yeah. he's super agile and super elusive. Which is better than, you know, one trait I could say is that he's more mobile than Mike Jones. You know, be, uh, Mike, you know, they... The offense coordinator should, you know, incorporate plays with his feet. And I feel like he'll be even more successful. But that's what I just want to say about him for that. But, and I agree. And I think, I feel like the Jets think it's a super thin line to walk between being a game manager and being a gunslinger. And Zach Wilson is very much a gunslinger, obviously. But as a rookie, there are plays you could call where you could utilize excuse me, you could utilize Zach Wilson's full skill set, and that includes his his feet, like you said. It, it includes his, his throw power, his th- throwing on the run, his ability to escape the pocket. You could utilize every element of his game, but you could do so without calling every play to be a home run shot. And, and I want to see more of the check down. I want to see what Robert Sala said, and that's being boring. As crazy as that sounds, I want to be boring. If we were boring, quote-unquote boring in this game, and we don't turn the ball over, even if we turn the ball over once, we are very, we are a lot more in this game than we were heading into the fourth quarter today. And I think it's, it's, I think that aspect alone is definitely a result of not Zach Wilson being a rookie, but also Michael Floor and Robert Sala being rookies in their own field, and that's coaching. And I really hope that they make adjustments because this game is all about adjustments it's not just about the halftime adjustment or the adjustment you make um during your bye week it's about the adjustments you make as soon as the game ends how are you going to tackle your next opponent i mean denver is they gave trevor lawrence a tough time today and and you know i'll be honest it's going to be difficult it's going to be difficult heading into denver it was difficult against you guys it was difficult against carolina but if you look at carolina if you look at new england what they had their quarterbacks do, even though one's a rookie in Mac Jones and one obviously is not a rookie in Sam Darnold, they drew up plays that suit what they did. I mean, Darnold running in the touchdown against us and utilizing Christian McCaffrey in the short route, but also utilizing his arm with the long throw to Robbie Anderson. Mac Jones, obviously they're not going to draw up any read options for him. He's not known to be a mobile quarterback, but he they use his arm with you know the deep throws to... Uh, Jacoby Myers at times and and uh, using the little short route, the uh, dink and dunk plays. It got you down the field. It's boring football. It's not quote unquote sexy football, but you know if your your quarterback doesn't have to play like Mahomes to win games, and I think Mac Jones is a perfect example of that. Yeah, my bad. But yeah, you know. You don't like what you said. You know, well, not everyone is Mahomes where they could just launch it down 50 yards and no, the receiver will catch it. You know, each quarterback they have, you know, the different style of football. You, you know, compare Josh Allen to Mahomes, you know, Kyle Murray, Lamar Jackson, they have their own play style. Zach Wilson, like, I was impressed in the preseason, you know, just just simple five yards, you know, um, slant routes, you know, just like, you know, dumping down to your running back, let them make a play. That's what suits him. You know, he yeah. even said in his interview before the draft, like, he loves the 49er system, and the Jets incorporated it, you know, the three running backs, and even in preseason, he could thrive in this system. And even though it wasn't his day today, I feel like, you know, against Denver, Denver or against any team, I feel like he could bounce back and he could prove and show why he deserved them to a wall pick. No, I, I agree. It's You can't write him off. <laughs> And you can't write off a quarterback after his first two years, let alone after his first two weeks. But 
whether he wants to admit it or not, his confidence is definitely going to be rattled after today, and it's all about how he bounces back. Is he as resilient as we, we think he is? Um, can he overcome his first real week of tough New York media? I mean, I, I mean, just some of these interceptions, especially the third and fourth, they, they were just interceptions you hope you don't see ever again you're going to see interceptions happen again but those types of interceptions where you're kind of just lobbing up the ball but maybe it was a miscommunication maybe it was whatever but just those type of interceptions you don't want to see because these d these defenders these linemen these receivers they look at zach wilson as a leader they voted him you know team captain for a reason and at the end of the day like i said before these guys want to win they they i'm sure they're all just as realistic as we are and they're not expecting to you know take a trip to SoFi Stadium and play for a Lombardi trophy this year but one side of the ball elevates the other and Zach Wilson the offense in general they, they just need to step up and not every team Zach Wilson is going to be up against is going to be coached by the greatest coach of all time but I think Michael Floyd really kind of needs to sit down with Zach Wilson and figure out what works for him and what doesn't. And I think Coach Sala needs to do the same thing because at the end of the day, it's uh, Coach Salah is, is, is the head coach. Um, I think you saw a lot of elements that you could implement moving forward, and that's the running game, um, the usage of the committee, uh, the, the different defensive looks you could do. Our, once again, our second game in a row, our, I, I really think our young secondary did an amazing job, and I – and very much in the camp of giving Marcus May an extension because to build a culture, you need a guy who's going to be willing to build that said new culture. And I think when you look at Jamal Adams and compare him to Robbie, um, Robbie Anderson, another guy we let go. But when you look at Jamal Adams and compare him to Marcus May, you you one in my opinion is a is a diva, a very good diva, but a diva, and one is a very good player, but but not much, not anywhere near as much of a diva, uh, diva and those are the type of guys you don't want to let go you don't want to see those guys walk away from your organization you want to keep those guys and build with them instead of adding all these new pieces because while adding new pieces is great and, and while I think Corey Davis is going to be excellent and Sheldon Rankins proved his worth today and other free agent acquisitions will hopefully prove their worth when they come back being healthy as in Carl Lawson um and other other uh, acquisitions, you want guys, you want talent that you brought into the organization. And, and right now, I mean, Marcus May, Quinton Williams, Makai Becton, those are guys that come to mind when you think about that and guys you want to keep. I mean, when you, you look at New England, do you see guys like that that you want to definitely lock down for the foreseeable future? Um, you know, besides the free agents that, you know, we're going to keep, you know, like Hunter Henry, John New, and Gion, of course we're going to keep them. Like from the previous, I want to keep Isaiah Wynn, you know, our left tackle. Young, he he's good, you know. I I I like it. I like him as a left tackle for the future. You know, I wanted backs. I you know I it was you know I didn't want to lose Sony Michelle because with his rookie year when the Pages beat the Rams in the Super Bowl, he played well. You know, he set the record for most touchdowns by a rookie running back in playoffs. He did well, right? But, you know. Now you've seen with the Rams, but yeah, it's just I don't know. Damon Harris, I want to keep. There's like I feel like there's no one on this on this roster that we'll let go. But yeah, yeah, I think you guys. I mean, it's safe to say you guys know what you're doing. I mean, you've seen Super Bowl after Super Bowl in your short career as a Patriot fan, um, and that's the major difference between us. I don't. I think we. I would like to think we know what we're doing. But as history proves, and as a common phrase goes, history does repeat itself, we tend to make the same mistakes. And I hope this, this draft class and, and Joe Douglas's previous draft class and hopefully Joe Douglas's future draft classes, as I do, I have questions about Joe Douglas, but I do believe he is the right guy at GM. I, the one major takeaway I want from all these draft classes is, is that they are a part of this rebuilding culture, this this new set culture of the New York Jets. and. I know we're talking a lot about the New York Jets and not much about the New England Pages. While we are talking about the New England Pages a good amount, it's when you're winning, you, you don't have as much to talk about. But when you're losing constantly, you have 
That's why they call Monday morning quarterback. You always want to say what could have been done, but you can't change the past. You can only look forward, and I mean, the game just continues to go on and on and on, and, and these guys, they do... I'm sure they're not caring about how I feel. I'm sure they're not caring about how you feel on both sides, whether they're winning or losing. They're getting paid uh, a lot of money to play a f very fun game, a very dangerous game, but a very fun one. And, you know, just as a fan, you, you, you just want better for your team. And I really hope, like you said, I really hope uh, next week against Denver, Zach Wilson can get it done because, I, you know, I don't want to have to de keep defending Zach Wilson. I don't want Zach Wilson to turn into Sam Donald where I need to pick out very specific stats and say point those out and say oh Sam Darnold can do this or I don't want those same four highlights that we saw of Sam last year that that throw against the 49ers throw against the Colts on the run broken play where oh he has, shows flashes of potential I, I don't want to only have to resort to those four plays I want Zach Wilson to have a career that speaks for himself um, and I think he has a lot of time to to write the ship and, and prove that and you know today just was not a uh, not the day to do so, but I mean, yeah, you have to be happy with the selection in that game. Definitely, you know, you know, of course, hesitant at first, but you know, this game and against Miami, he proved why he, you know, he, you know, he beat Cam Newton as starting starting quarterback. He, you know, he basically he basically like hit Cam Newton out of New England, even though it was supposed to be Cam's second year, getting used to the offense, and you know, trying to like make his career like better. But the the rookie just played better, and he he's gonna be a quarterback for the next five or ten years. And even though this game was you know a blowout towards the end, I think Mac versus Zach rivalry will stay will will be a good one for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and and that's I mean I'm I'm really happy you brought that up that Mac versus Zach rivalry. I mean the reason we call this podcast Mac vs. Zach, aside from how it rhymes and, and how it's catchy, is that it, it does resemble a new rivalry between the two quarterbacks and the two teams. Um, and I hope it's a rivalry that we see better games from. I think we will. Um, and I hope it's a rivalry that we can rely on having fun watching together as, as brothers and as fans. And I think we, I say that and speak for all New York Jets fans and, and all New England Patriot fans that uh, you want qu your quarterback to succeed. You want, I mean, uh, just a few years ago, no one was talking about Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. Now they're the faces of, of the league, you know. That's, you want the new fresh blood, the new faces of the league to be ones that you get excited about. I, I want to be excited to watch the Jets, but don't get me wrong. I am very much excited, even, even if we go 0-17, uh, I'm going to be excited to watch uh, the Jets and tune into the draft as if it's that's my Super Bowl, the draft, because the offseason I have all the time in the world to convince myself we will go to Super Bowl next year, even though we are far from it, obviously. But, you know, moving forward, you hope to see better things, and I think there's things that both teams could take away, good and bad. Um, you know, New England Patriots did win 25-6. to They do go to 1-1. One one. The Jets do fall 0-2. But I think when you look at both teams, there are good things to take away from this game. There are bad things to take away from this game. But the beauty of the sport is you got seven days to turn it around. And as we mentioned before, uh, the New York Jets head to Denver to take on the Broncos Sunday, September 26th, 26, excuse me, 4.05 p.m. And the New England Patriots, let's see. See, you're home against the Saints. The yeah. New Orleans Saints head to New England. You're home against some Sunday, same day, obviously, September 26th at 1 p.m. Um, I mean, let before we close out this episode, um, your MVP of this game as the winner. Um, you know, I'll give, you know, the play of the game to, you know, for offense, I'll give it to Mac Jones. And, well, for defense, you know, I have to... I'd be up to J.C. Jackson, you know, with the two picks. Even though it was, it was one of them was a tip, tip pass. He played well. The whole secondary played well. You know, just give her to you know our our coaches, the coaching staff. They they came with the game plan and they did not run away from it. And that I'm proud. I'm proud of this team and how they you know fought to get our first win. And you know we celebrate celebrate for now and then just get ready for you know the Saints coming to town. I mean, those are two good selections. I mean, my MVP, if 
I were to take away an MVP from this game, uh, CJ Mosley. I think he's a player that we all were excited for as Jet fans when he was signed. Uh, he had the the best three quarters I've ever seen a player ever ever have on any team against the Buffalo Bills prior to injuring himself. Uh, sat out the following year due to COVID, but you know, shook off the rust a little bit last game against Carolina, and, and I think he's back to, to form, and he's that high-profile free agent that we signed uh, three off-seasons ago, and, and it's showing, and, and I'm excited to see him uh, hopefully stay healthy, um, but but be the anchor of this defense, along with Marcus May, um, MVP on offensive side. Uh, I, I don't You don't want to judge these picks based off of the box score, obviously. Um this game stunk on offense, obviously. But Braxton Berrios, I mean, he's 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 sneakily became one of the more reliable targets on this Jets offense, sadly. And, and I don't say that sadly because I don't like Braxton Berrios, but, you know, you, you don't want a guy of the... You don't want a player at, that's the same tier as Braxton Berrios to be your MVP, you know? You want you want Corey Davis to, to, to step up. You want... The electric rookie Elijah Moore to step up, which which I think they all did. I think Corey Davis obviously was shut down this game, but did awesome last game. I think Elijah Moore is coming into form. Michael Carter doing did well as also, but you know Braxton Berrios seven catches, seventy three yards as we mentioned before, ten point four yards per catch. I think he had an outstanding game, and he's I think he's you know you could tell he's a player that is fighting to stay on the roster despite the 53 roster already being made. He's a guy that is um, kind of giving in to this culture and, and is uh, definitely a, a player I would love to keep as I think he's a, a, depth, a good depth guy and a reliable target as his box score does show. Um, just as much as we got to give credit to our MVPs, we got to give our LVPs, and I think I speak for everyone, that our LVP, least valuable player of this game, hate to say it, goes to Zach Wilson um, like we harped on for the past hour the New York Jets offense drove down the field up and down the field with ease and it, Zach Wilson just threw very rough interceptions at very inopportune times and kind of was a buzzkill to those drives and I really do think you, if you cut those turnovers we might be having a whole different episode, and, and the Jets may be the ones who are 1-1, one and one, and you guys may be the ones who are 0-2. But with that being said, who do you have as your LVP? Um, Looking at it now, I can't really give one out because no one really played bad. You know, I you know as a fan, I, even though Mac Jones played, you know, how he's supposed to, I wish, you know, he could do some flash, you know, some like some long passes. Like, even a touchdown. Just give me, like, one touchdown, and I'll be happy. But, yeah, other than that, no one really played bad. Or, like, we, we don't have, like, a Zach Wilson for this game. You know, I'm guessing next week we're going to have a whole different discussion discussion on, you know, what's player of the game. But, yeah, none for the Patriots this game, in my opinion. Well, it must be nice. <laughs> um... Last but not least, do you want to give an early prediction for your next game? And, and obviously we'll, we'll preview that game, but right now, um, before you have time to really think on it, give me your early thoughts on, on that next game. You know, game. I think it'll be a, a close one, you know. Um, the, the, different, the different solid quarterbacks, you know, but different offenses. But right now, I, I have to give it, even though Saints didn't play their best against Carolina, Today, I I'll give Saints you know twenty four seventeen over us. Yeah, I mean I look I I think that'll be a good game. I I it's hard to tell which Saint team will show up, whether it's the Week One team or Week Two team. Um, but they had a very odd situation going on with COVID outbreak and and coaching personnel missing time. But I think. And this is me being the silly Jet fan that I am. I think we could win. I really do. I think we could beat the Denver Broncos. Um, missing Jerry Judy, Judy is going to hurt them. I think Teddy Bridgewater, while he's has been doing well this season so far, I think we could handle what he brings to the field as a quarterback. And I think 
you can only go up from here if you're Zach Wilson. So I think Zach Wilson turns it around. Hopefully, knock on wood. And I think we get it done over in uh, Denver. But uh, we'll see. Who knows? We got a, yeah. a whole week to two. No, it's not. Who knows? You know, s sleep on this. You know, sucks for you, but wake up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have a whole week to uh, really think about this. But for now, this is Gerard Placido, my co-host Mark Anthony Placido. And once again, thank you for tuning in to the very first episode of the Mac vs. Zach podcast. And also, please don't forget to follow our official Instagram page at mac.verse.zach on Instagram.com. Thank you guys very much. <sighs> I exit this podcast a loser. Mark Anthony a winner. Hopefully we have a different... Hopefully those roles reverse, or we're both winners next week. We'll see. Who knows? Have a good one.